Today in the show, we ask the age-old question of the Pokemon universe. What's with all these kids? Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of our favorite video games. I'm Bruce. And I'm Maya. And we are back at it again. Maya, this is your first inaugural two-person Lore Party episode. How do you feel? I feel like this is too much responsibility. (laughs) My Uncle Ben is actually still alive, so clearly I'm not ready. (laughs) It's too much power. Too much power. (laughs) Well, don't worry. I think that you're going to do fine. We're going to do great. And uh, it is something that I think every Pokemon fan or someone who's even remotely familiar with Pokemon can understand. It is just talking about kind of the kind of unspoken abundance of children in independent roles in the universe. There's a metric buttload of them, and I've been wondering where they're all coming from. (laughs) Yeah, it's almost like people are like having kids in the Pokemon universe just so they can just like send them off to be completely alone in the wilderness with giant <laughs> super powered animals. I just assume this is what happens when, you know, you don't get tax deductions for your kids. They're like, well, there's no point <laughs> in having you now. Just get out of here. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's it, though. Huh. But, you know, we're mostly going to talk about a number of different points in this episode. First is just kind of, I'm going to try something new here where I'm going to be talking about the historical meta-narrative of children in these kinds of roles. And then we will talk about the just overall society in the Pokemon world and its relationship with children. And then lastly, we talk about the relationship just between Pokemon and children, because it's actually pretty fascinating. And there's just a lot of patterns that I have noticed in just the entire franchise. So um, before we start, we just want to say that we would love to hear from any of our listeners. Just let us know anything that you would kind of like have an idea about or what we've said so far at lowerpartypodcast at gmail.com. Email us uh, whatever your thoughts are on Pokemon or on any of our other Lore Party channel subjects. Uh, we also have our stream teams. Sorry, never going to say that again. No, but. stream team, <laughs> stream team, dream team. Let's go. <laughs> stream team, dream team. Uh, they do weekly uh, Twitch streams. Uh, you can follow them on twitch.tv slash lore underscore party. So I guess it all kind of starts with me talking about, because this was my idea for the episode and just like why I wanted to talk about this, and I had this idea thinking just about how independent kids are in the Pokemon universe. You will see them everywhere. They're in every city. They do almost anything they want. They can travel. They can do all of that in a world filled with monsters that breathe fire and like carry children off into the stratosphere like Drifloon does. Like it's all these dangerous creatures. And like the first thing in every Pokemon game is, hey, here's one of them and go out into the tall grass and start your adventure. 
in our world, I mean, even more so now than it was like in the 90s, kids are not being able to give any of this kind of independence, which is just such a stark contrast. And I'm trying to figure out, you know, why is that? And like, it's not just kids going out and like being Pokemon trainers and traveling. You have child gym leaders, child champions like uh, Iris from Black and White. You have every protagonist, you know, being in the age before reaching puberty. Some of them can just defeat entire crime syndicates that the police can't even handle or just take on or like be best friends with legendary like godlike pokemon it it's crazy that like kids have this much autonomy and control and whatever i definitely feel that i mean if you look at our society alone right like you don't get that until you're maybe 18 and even then even then it's not even nearly as much you know how many times do you go out meeting godlike creatures very very <laughs> few and far between here ah oh, just that one time at cancun I mean, there, you're right. That one time at Cancun for you, and I'm pretty sure like that one time in Boston for me, I'm pretty sure I took down that crime syndicate by myself. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like those are things for, you know, big kids. You know, you've got to at least <laughs> have a driver's <laughs> license in our world to do any of this. So let's just get into it. So, okay. Bear with me here. I want to try and do something different for this episode because I'm going to be talking about something that has at least directly no connection to the Pokemon world. So please don't touch that, you know, cursor or fast forward button because I'm trying to take you guys on like a bit of a journey here and you're just going to have to really suspend your not disbelief, but just. Just bear with me. I'm going to be weird for a minute. Is that okay? Am I okay? Is it okay for me to be weird? Well, I've already buckled up. I'm ready to go. I'm going to enjoy this ride. All right. All right. So what we see here in the Pokemon universe is something that you can see if you paid attention to almost any run-of-the-mill show-in anime, manga, mostly Japanese stories where a kid, usually around like 10 years old, goes out and defeats a big evil and you know befriends people along the way and saves the world coming from very humble beginnings and it's actually not just some trope that one thing worked and then they just milked it for all it was worth it actually comes from an old japanese folklore called momotaro hopefully i'm not butchering that <laughs> but it's very much in this kind of bare bones. That's exactly what happens in this. And I believe is either the most successful or the first in Japanese folklore that has that kind of formula in the story. You can look this up. It it's told different ways, but in the story, it's usually a childless couple find a baby that's like born from a giant peach and just, raise him like that was not a weird thing yeah james and the giant peach i'm with you <laughs> okay cool 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 I'm not being weird and when he's like just barely aged to adolescence he has to defend his family from demons there's like a demon king that's like you know bringing darkness to the land and so because he's special or whatever his parents just kind of 
allow that to happen. And he goes out to like defend his family and like put an end to the evil. And along the way, he befriends, you know, animals like a, a dog and a pheasant, and I believe a monkey. And like they are usually like, you know, confrontational or they like stop him in his way, but then he's able to just like literally use the power of friendship to then have them give up on stopping him and then joining him on his quest. And then they get to wherever the demon is, they defeat him and all his henchmen. And then, you know, the world is saved, the land is in peace. Um, and he comes back home with his animal friends to his parents who I hope were worried sick and, uh, just treasures from the demon King. And they're, they're all good and they're all fine. And doesn't that just sound like every anime that you might have grown up with in some way or fashion? I mean, except for maybe Dragon Ball Z, but yeah, definitely all the other ones. Well, sure. yeah, but like, but Dragon Ball, think about it. I mean, you know, his, he accidentally killed his grandpa, spoiler alert, from like <laughs> an anime from 40 years ago. But um, he, you know, starts out and, and it's, like, again, it's more from the journey to the West uh, thing, but like he befriends all his enemies and defeats a great evil. Like, it's almost the same thing. It's, it's very interesting because it's just like, you know, it's the Japanese folklore, but like turned to more of a modern sense and more marketability. But, you know, I really find this interesting because it's successful ultimately this is how a lot of japanese games and stories kind of like fit in this trope and it's because of that entire you know story from hundreds of years ago where it's just the same thing the special child comes along the friends enemies and just does it they just completely does it and you know i think that really helps because i don't know if we have anything like that in western culture or society i mean even the closest thing is like moses but like imagine if moses instead of waiting until he was like older just does it when he's like four like uh 10 years old (laughs) um so thank you for just kind of riding that out with me dear listeners and maya but um (laughs) i'm just very happy that i was able to just kind of like in my research i found that and i just thought like isn't that cool isn't that a fun fact you can tell someone at a party and then no one talks to you for the rest of the party (laughs) well that's what you do with all that knowledge you tell somebody (laughs) at a party and then you realize that was a mistake (laughs) so we have again we've touched on this before but like there are so many different examples of children in the Pokemon universe. Like the first thing that we learn in everyone, as I said before, is there are dangerous creatures out in the wilderness just beyond the gates of your town. Here's one of them. They only listen to you. Now go out into that wilderness and become king of them. And it's just... (laughs) I mean, I don't, let's, let's start with, they don't only listen to you. You're lucky if they listen to you, as Ash will tell you. You got to prove it. You, you got to prove it. You got to want it. 
gotta want it, gotta need it, gotta have it. (laughs) (laughs) But like you're giving all of this to a kid who, like children who have not even reached like puberty and like, you know, being able, like what, when I was 10, I don't know if I could have been trusted with any of that. I think I tried to run away from home, got as far as like the next street over. And I had, I don't know, my cousin's motorcycle toy and strangely enough, uh, a binder of Pokemon cards and thought I could make it out on my own. Could not. That's bold. See, like I knew if I was going (laughs) to run away, I needed a plan Uh, and a bigger backpack for sure. See, I would be dead. I'd be dead in the Pokemon. <laughs> I would have made I it. I'm sure. You I would have been okay. I, you know, I kept that Tamagotchi alive for a while, so I know <laughs> that I at least had the responsibility. I was just a little big on the discipline. You know, that was that's that's what got me every time the Tamagotchi ran away. <laughs> <laughs> had to be. <laughs> but you're definitely right here. Like you're talking about these ten year olds just being shoved out into the world. Yeah, it's it's almost as if they're obligated or something. <laughs> That's true. But then they're also excited about it. That's what's so interesting is like they're they're getting kicked out. <laughs> but then also like the kids like, oh, yeah, mom, today's the day we're going. We're getting out there. Can't be late for this meeting with the professor. Except for Ash is always late and everybody I think we've ever met has been late. So <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know that they're protagonist. <laughs> I think if that was in Momotaro, just like. He's just late to everything, and it's his first day of being special peach child. (laughs) However reluctant, like, even the parents are just like, I think in many of the Pokemon worlds, when you talk to your parents before you leave, they're just like, oh, I know every child needs to leave someday. And it's just like, not every child, I don't think. Like, a person, an an adult child, but like, not a little 10-year-old, but like, it's, it's accepted. It's like, you know, in, you know, Sparta, where they like throw their defected kids off the mountaintop, like it's just everyone's cool with that just because they aren't like special paragon warriors at birth. And it's like they just throw them into the wilderness. Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think what makes it even more interesting and. I don't know, kind of confusing is that like, it's not like they're all going on to be successful Pokemon masters, you know, it's like they all kind of end up in different spots, you know, they're they're forced out and like, it's not a ticket to success or anything here. Who knows where they will end up? Exactly. Like they can be anything they kind of want to, but like, of course, in the Pokemon universe, you have a very Pokemon centric society. So a lot of your different, you know, career paths will have to cross with Pokemon. If you're not a Pokemon master, then, you know, like in Sword and Shield, um, Hop and Sonya become Pokemon professors or Pokemon professor apprentices. You can be a scientist, you can be a breeder, you can be any number of different things where you can use that firsthand experience from being a Pokemon trainer to almost anything and it's sort of it's a rite of passage for like i think most children to have to like do this to be a part of society like you know college for millennials or a a bat mitzvah it's just you know sure you don't have to but like it's very 
it's very it's required like you don't have required. to but you have to <laughs> you don't have to but you will crush your mother's heart <laughs> <laughs> she's very gonna have to tell the sewing circle that her child is not adventuring out into the wilderness on her oh, own. Oh, they don't, I mean, they don't, they don't say it on the sewing circle. What are you talking about? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely did that. My kid, neurosurgeon. You probably haven't even heard about it. Just so busy. <laughs> but you're right. It's, it's like the rite of passage. It's just like, if you, I'm just thinking about it. It's like, if you, you just have to do it. It's like, uh, could you imagine if your parents kicked you out of 10, you just had to like go out to society figure it out on your own you would learn so fast you would learn so much but you would be ready i I feel like you would have learned a lot so i I get i sure fucking hope so i don't know (laughs) i'm gonna be honest i think i'd die i think i would die i think i would like be somewhere in a wasteland and like have to eat my pikachu to like (laughs) stay alive I don't think Pikachu would taste good. (laughs) No, it wouldn't. Like, it would shock me every time I bite into it. And, but, like, it's all I've got. But, like, I was, like, maybe, like, a quarter mile away from a Pokemon Center. (laughs) Quarter mile? That's it? That's all it takes? Oh, Uh, yeah, but I wouldn't wouldn't see it. And I'd be, like... (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe if you were lucky, you'd be one of the, the only exceptions we happen to see, you know? Those those really wealthy privileged kids who get to go to the Pokemon schools who can learn Pokemon training in a classroom without like going from place to place. <laughs> yeah, what's up with that? So like there is a thing in the Pokemon universe where you don't technically have to travel if you can like be enrolled in a Pokemon school. They kind of touch it in the games, but they do a lot more like about it in the anime, correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They definitely do. You just like... I think occasionally you just walk in or you see somebody walk into this classroom and they're just talking about Pokemon and stuff and they make you feel really dumb for not knowing stuff. But <laughs> I don't know. Was, I don't understand why, why these rich kids just get to have this luxury when I had to go out here and learn it the hard way. Exactly. You don't have to, you know, rough it in the wilderness if you're a little, you know, trust fund baby. <laughs> Lucky bastards. <laughs> and they like, what is it? You when you graduate, you pretty much are like good. Like you get all the badges or something or. I think you do. I think it was like something where you get like a couple of badges or you just start with badges. If you do it this way now, correct me if I'm wrong uh, to the fans listening. I'm sorry if I'm wrong, Uh, but I'm pretty sure you get something for it where you just, you you take easy street basically. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I don't like, you don't, I don't think you have to like go to each gym but like your exams are just as hard so i think it's about that but like you aren't even collecting the pokemon you're like using this cache of different pokemon that are like supplied by the school and then once you graduate you like get to start out there but like it's crazy but anyway um then we have some children who either don't adventure or did their adventuring very, very, very early in their childhood careers and work as gym leaders or Pokemon trade apprentices, uh, like breeders, like Brock and like some of his brothers and sisters. And Mm -hmm. like kids Mm -hmm. can just do this even earlier than 10 or 12 years old. There are some child gym leaders, uh, like the twins in the Hoenn region. Or um, who Iris. is that really? Um, there was one gym leader in red, blue, yellow. 
uh, in the anime that was like super creepy. She had like an Abra or Cadabra, maybe an Alakazam. Sabrina. But she was, yes. But in like the anime, I think she was like a child for a minute there. Was that just yeah, creepy she child? Was, I, oh God. Oh, we're really hitting each other here. I do not. <laughs> I remember she was like a little child, but like, yeah, she was a child there, but she was clearly an adult in the game. Yeah. Um, but like, but you see this, like these aren't anomalies. You have like gym leaders who are roughly the age, if not younger than the protagonist in these, like, I would say like very responsible, highly like administrative positions where they are taking on challengers and they are like basically the sole defenders for their respective towns and cities. And they're oh, just yeah. there. That's, mm-hmm. that's insane to me. Like that's <laughs> so much responsibility. Again, don't, so young. Exa- like again, could not trust me with that power. <laughs> not me. Oh, you still got that Uncle Ben too, I see. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I can't. I couldn't. I, I wouldn't. Oh, I don't think I could do it now. It's a lot. <laughs> All right, we're going to keep this conversation going, but first, a quick break. <sighs> but, you know, it's, it's a lot for a kid to take on that much. But, you know, we see even more of this in how society kind of fits children into it in the Pokemon world. And I think the biggest question right now that I think we are coming back to is why? Why all of this? These kids, you know, they're losing their childhoods almost um, in development. In I would argue they're gaining a childhood, but okay. <laughs> they're gaining a childhood. <laughs> no, elaborate. I would love to hear this. <laughs> I mean, they get to go out and kids can just be kids. Uh, parents aren't out there to make things, you know, all structured and whatnot. Give them their next meal. Yeah. You, (laughs) you don't have to worry about the meals. That'll just happen. (laughs) It'll just happen. Come out of nowhere. Haven't you like, that's, that's the mystic and magic of this other world is your needs will be taken care of. If you're Ash, you got Brock. If you're these other guys, you too will get your own Brock to serve you all the food you want. Not a mom, but practically a mom in terms of meals. Is this like government issued friends? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> government issued Brock for everybody. Oh, that would be great. But, you know, it's I it's the most like independent I think a kid would have to be, especially if they were living under the roof of their parents' house all this time and then literally put out there. But I think at least to me, why Pokemon society encourages this is because of how important Pokemon is to this society. I mean, animals are very important to our society, but they don't generate electricity. They don't control the goddamn weather. Um, This is huge. And like, I think definitely that has something to do with everyone having to be at least a little like... Oh, you got to be involved. Introduced. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. They're godlike creatures in, in some instances here. Control the weather. You know, you got these Pokemon that can wreck your life, but also just make things go round. You gotta, like, they're so integrated in society, but also they control society. So you, you really got to learn to love and respect them, bond with them. 
Yeah, there's very little like boundaries that you can set in communities that can be away from Pokemon. Like there's some like the ghost Pokemon that can phase through walls and barriers. You just have to kind of live with them. And I guess this is their like way of doing that. It's just like, hey, little Timmy, you got to know as soon as possible that there is like dragons and shit out there and like know how to deal with them. But like, you know, kids can travel alone. But they can also participate in battles, become gym leaders. Uh, there's Pokemon pageants, you know, don't even have to, you know, do blood sport. You can just dress them up in pretty, pretty dresses and tuxedos. Uh, Pokemon pageants are still blood sport. It's just pretty blood sport. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's Pokemon contest. That's my bad. That's my bad. <laughs> yeah, there's, and you get prize money from all of them, um, which I think, because we, we were talking about this before the episode, like, what's the economic, like, thing Uh here and like you get financial stability and independence from winning pokemon battles and pageants and contests and stuff right come to gym leader you get a stipend i guess maybe that's the point you know you beat up the other dude and now they can't protect themselves from your monsters so they have to give you money to stay safe it's protection money it just means that there's always going to be someone on the bottom who is just (laughs) fucked (laughs) exactly maybe you shouldn't have had a weedle maybe you should have gotten a charizard bro (laughs) this is a wonderful capitalist pokemon society that we have oh god oh that hurts that hurts to think about so it comes down to i think a very important relationship that children have with pokemon more than adults i think that it's some of the most powerful trainers or you know the ones who are able to do the most with the pokemon that they have are from a strong relationship that has to start years in advance just to have like if you start at 18 you know and then try and find a pokemon and train it and everything one you don't have time because you're working and doing adult stuff and two you don't have enough time to truly like reach your peak before you know you're gonna be having kids and everything and wouldn't want a whole bunch of like bloodthirsty pokemon monsters to be like right there i think if you really want to be like the best there ever was you want to start them early Uh, you know it's just literally that simple the longer or earlier the relationship starts the stronger the relationship can be. And we see that in some examples. Ash, which can be debatable, if you ask some certain people. But, you know, you have uh, Cynthia, who we, uh, me and Caleb just talked about in our last episode, uh, blue and red um, from Pokemon Red and Blue, where they are just always lifelong bonds with uh, the first Pokemon that they got and are one of the most powerful trainers in their respective like areas. I mean, I would say you also have Elaine and Charizard in uh, Pokemon X, Y, and Z. He's been with his Charizard forever and he beats Ash later on his Pikachu. So, I mean, some of you, again, debatable for Ash, but that Pikachu is pretty good. But you see this really strong bond, even though he also works for the bad guy. And he's just like an amazing Charizard. So remind me again, who is Elaine? But you know, he he works for Lysander, who is a bad guy, but from, he, from an X and Y. 
uh, yeah. from Team Flare. Oh, but like he's he's again one of those trainers that's just like I got my Charizard as a Charmander and we grew up together. We went through hardships together, and now we're the best or almost the best. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, there are some examples right there where you know some of these really top tier trainers have had a lifelong bond with their Pokemon, seen them grow, grew with them. Um, I think that helps with just like an understanding between, um, you know, the trainer and its Pokemon partner uh, to a level that I don't think could be done with adults starting there. They've already developed, they've already grown, but the Pokemon hasn't. I feel like it would be less of like a partnership and more of like a true like trainer and master thing that I don't think would have the best outcome. I think there would be maybe some resentment or like fear um, looking at them more of a parent instead of like a partner. So society has like, I think understood that like if you encourage children to work with Pokemon at an earlier age, the best outcome somehow is going to be able to come from that. But there are some exceptions. I was like trying to look into like, you know, has there just been some guy, Terry, and he's just like, I don't really like Pokemon all that much. It's, <laughs> I think it's overrated. I think it's not that great. I just want to be a carpenter. And like, no, I don't need a Machop or like, uh, you know, psychic Pokemon to carry my stuff. I just have a toolbox in my truck and I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, I'm I'm pretty sure there's a few of those. Yes, so I I did look up. Um, so first uh, one that I really like is uh, Lily from Sun and Moon, uh, both from the anime and in the game. It is shown that she has kind of a phobia of Pokemon, where she doesn't particularly like them like touching her, but she's just kind of afraid of them. Um, that comes from like a childhood traumatic event where she was like attacked by one of the um ultra beasts and she just hasn't really wanted to be near any like pokemon and she's she's not ostracized for it no one's like oh she's the weirdo who doesn't actually like pokemon it's just like it's hard to connect with her because everything in the society is about pokemon and mm -hmm. your relationship with pokemon and she is unable to, you know, travel as, you know, independently. And she's not able to um, do the things that maybe some of her peers around the same age can do because you would need a Pokemon to do that. And it's like, it's just hard. And over time in the game and in the anime, like as she spends more time with Ash or the protagonist, she is able to overcome her fear enough to like have Pokemon and be around Pokemon. And you can see in the narrative here, it's not to each their own. It is shut the fuck up. You're wrong. You like Pokemon and you're going to like this one and you're going to catch them all. <laughs> it's the only way. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that like, like, that narrative, like, there's nothing like, oh, oh, hey, like, it's okay if you don't like Pokemon. Like, no. Oh, no, that's not, not acceptable. <laughs> Shut your ass up. <laughs> Get on out there. 
I don't care how long it takes. You better find yourself a fucking Pokemon. <laughs> if you just spent more time with them. Oh, that's love the worst. <laughs> oh, you're saying all those things. Like, mm, it's, you know, if you just spend a little, you're right. If you just spend a little more time, if you just, uh, you know, if you just overlooked these few things that are really just getting in your way, it's, this is all you. It's not the Pokemon. It definitely is you. It's not It'd the be Pokemon. Fine. <laughs> and then um, the last point I have is just, it's the relationship between Pokemon and children that is seen as just this very special thing. Um, with regular Pokemon, that relationship is created and strengthened as soon as possible. You want to have them be, you know, the lowest level of Pokemon and I guess the lowest level of human and like have them grow together. But, you know, that can't really happen with like legendary Pokemon. But you see, um, we talked th- about this before on Lore Party, legendary Pokemon harbor a lot of mistrust. For humanity. I mean, it's it's warranted. It's it's very it's very warranted. They mistrust oh, absolutely. them. Absolutely. Uh, you know, humans attack them out of fear, power, or all of all of the above. I think we talked about it in like the Arceus episode, even. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Like Arceus hates humankind. <laughs> <laughs> and like again, like I do not like fault him in that. Fuck us. Yeah. But like, you know, it's always so crazy because you you very rarely see like an adult human being able to connect with a legendary pokemon because i think you're you're already developed you have this preconceived notion you have more goals and ambitions as an adult than you Mm -hmm. do as a you know prepubescent 10 year old and i think i don't know just the God, it sounds weird, but the purity of a child, it, it's innocence, I think. Uh, the legendary Pokemon can kind of sense that it has no, um, you know, ulterior motives or, you know, um, dark intentions with them. They just kind of want to be like, wow, I want to see God. Yep. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's exactly it. I mean, like, look at Ash, Abel. <laughs> Abel He's met just, the like, entire pantheon. <laughs> Yeah, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, like what he's seen you, he's 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 met uh, Lugia, he's met Arceus, he's met Dialga, Palkia, Giratina multiple times. I mean, like any any I mean, I I don't know why I'm going through the list. Literally, he's just (laughs) he's met them all. He's met me, too. He's turned bad Pokemon to good Pokemon. (laughs) Yes. And like I. And during a lot of those times where he's met them, it is like almost a complete foil to some terrorist crime Mm -hmm. syndicate lord or evil scientist person who also wants to find this legendary Pokemon and does it for money, fame, glory, um, or to just prove the scientific community wrong that they weren't a mad scientist hellbent mm, power. on world Don't domination power power <laughs> every oh, time oh yeah because they're i mean like again i like i also understand that a lot of humans are just like oh yeah if i could like have control of that my days of just like slumming it would be over but <laughs> kids i don't think they they think that far ahead i think they're <laughs> just like you know i got pokemon that's a big one um i'd like to talk to it 
if it can be friends, that's cool. And I think the legendary Pokemon are just like dialing in on that energy and that frequency. And they're just like, hell yeah, I like you, kid. And that's it. And that's how they're able to like connect with them or at least like, you know, even reveal themselves to them where they would usually not even show themselves in any facet. They can just like disappear or be invisible, but they will reveal themselves to these child protagonists over everyone else. So final thoughts just about this. It was very interesting figuring out a lot of these different things and looking more in between the lines of Pokemon society. It feels like it's this very, you know, you can do whatever you want, but you have three choices. And if you don't choose those three choices, then, you know, you're going to be, you know, living out in a shack somewhere. I think Pokemon understand more that children are closer to like, you know, bear instinct or something than adults. uh, And they trust them more and faster than they would with just, you know, a fully developed adult. And because of this, I think society puts uh, these kids on the front line of Pokemon training and developing connections with them in an effort to create, you know, successful Pokemon trainers, a society that works very closely with Pokemon on every facet. Um, It helps the economy grow. Um, There's just endless resources with Pokemon that can generate electricity and everything. There's Pokemon and technology. You'd have like uh, Rotom in your phones and computers in the new uh, Sun and Shield Pokemon game. Uh, They're in the workforce. You have like the Machamps doing like moving and stuff and military defense, possibly. And it all depends on Pokemon because they can do all of this a thousand times better than humanity. It makes sense to have them understand Pokemon at the earliest level. It's, I think, a little crazy to just like send them out into the wilderness. But I mean, if there's not a huge amount of kids dying of, you know, starvation or being mauled by Pokemon, it could, in theory, make sense that there are so many um, just following this tradition. But I think adults are becoming increasingly more important in our world, while children have gotten less and less independence, like completely inverse to like the Pokemon world. And it's because we don't like our society does not run on, you know, child labor or child development of technology. With this, it does. In the Pokemon universe, the he who has control over Pokemon the best controls everything. I was just going to say it was a a lovely, like what I got was a lovely show or display of how, you know, only kids can really show that heart and that growing together, you know, Pokemon sense that that love, that wonderment, that desire to grow and go on an adventure and become the best that you can be. (laughs) That was beautiful too. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that also kind of connects with Momotaro. In which, like, it's talking about, in Japanese folklore, it's focusing on that innocence, on that, you know, endless potential of a child in which they can be able to do all of this, not because they have to, per se, but because they have the capacity to. 
I think that's why this is so prevalent in a lot of Japanese, um, you know, games and different forms of media is because that's a very like age old thing of just like kids can be anything. And, you know, this is their time. Once they're able to walk and talk and think for themselves, like sky's the limit at that point. Well, that about wraps it up. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. And be sure to connect with us on Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter at floor underscore party. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.